You're listening to the Central City Assembly podcast. We're dedicated to sharing content that magnifies and multiplies Jesus for the good of our city and helps you grow in your love for Jesus. So enjoy this episode and may you be filled with the love of God the Father. Wow, it's like you guys haven't seen each other in forever. It's like you haven't been able to connect with people in like a year and a half. Man, I love seeing everybody connecting, fellowshipping, sharing the love of Jesus with one another. So good to see some new faces and um, good to see some of our, our friends coming back, our family coming back. A lot of talk about football going on as, as things are going on. Cowboys annihilated the Eagles last week. It was amazing. Sorry, I got I to gotta rub it in a little bit. Um, all right, I have, a, I have a question to start out for you, okay? I have a question, but I don't want you to answer this question right away. I want you to take a moment to think about it. Um, this is uh, a pretty serious question that requires some deep contemplation, Okay? Um, the question is, who is your favorite superhero? Superman, yeah, yeah. Some of you are like, what? That's not a deep question. That's easy. Or maybe some of you are like, are we in youth group right now, Pastor Kai? Are we in kids' church? What's going on? Superheroes? Yes. Um, just entertain me for a moment, okay? One thing that Disney and Marvel have done is, is made superheroes, um, not kids anymore, but for everybody. So I know we've all seen or at least heard of, of some superheroes before. Um, so go ahead. Who's your favorite superhero? Shout them out whenever you, you have it. Thanos is not a superhero. <laughs> oh gosh, we're going to have a counseling session afterwards. Who, who, uh, who else? Spider-Man? Who, what? Who? Okay, I know who that is. <laughs> Doctor Strange, okay. Nice, Black Panther. Who is it? Black Widow. Yeah, she's pretty awesome too. Okay, Deadpool. He's a, he's a little edgy for sure. Okay, so uh, a follow-up question, all right? What is it about them, and you just take some time to, to think this one over for yourself. What is it about them that makes them so super in your eyes? Because the, the reason uh, your particular superhero is your favorite probably has to do with what makes them super. And, and super doesn't necessarily mean superpower, right? Batman and Iron Man, they don't have superpowers, but they're still considered superheroes. Um, so is your superhero your favorite because they have super strength or super speed or some kind of super ability? Um, is it because they're super rich and have seemingly unlimited resources to do super cool things? Um, are they super intelligent and make super gadgets? Right? Do they have specialized training in, in combat or other skills? Um, or maybe when you think about a superhero, you, you like them not just because they have superpowers or, or super technological abilities, um, but because the, the quality of their character is also super. 
Is everybody keeping a running count of how many times I'm saying super this morning? Just keep it, keep it going, all right? Um, but, but it's not just their, their powers, but their character, right? Like they're humble, they're courageous, they're kind, they're selfless, they're compassionate or humorous. And I think that's why people like superheroes like Captain America and Spider-Man, because they're just good-hearted people who want to do good. Um, but there's also a, a trend in superhero movies now that, that you've probably seen where it attempts to show the more flawed side of the superhero, right? Batman is a superhero, or they call him an anti-hero now, um, with, with a dark past. Wolverine, he does his part to save people, but really he's just a cynical, crusty old man who doesn't trust anybody. That's who he really is. Or, or a lot of superheroes, they... They have this desire to do good, um, but they're also haunted by their selfish desires or they're overwhelmed by the, the great responsibility that comes with great power. You've heard that before. Right, but, but the truth is, if we took away everything that makes our favorite superheroes super, um, they would be just normal humans like you and me, if they are human at all. Um, without their powers, without their technologically advanced suits of armor, they're just people, right? And if they don't have what makes them super, then we don't have much expectation of them as superheroes to save the world, right? And chances are, as you were thinking about your, your reasons for why a certain superhero is your favorite, you probably didn't list their humanness as a reason for what makes them super in your eyes, right? When it comes to, to heroes, when it comes to rescuing the world and, and saving people, we tend to think that being just human isn't enough. In order for someone to, to truly save the world, we think they would need to be superhuman. And what we'll see in the book of Hebrews today is that the author of Hebrews is also interested in this topic of superhumans. Um, and he would both agree and disagree with this thought of needing a superhuman to save the world. It depends on how we use that phrase, superhuman. Because if you think of, of superhuman as being more than human, with superpowers or abilities, then the author of Hebrews would obviously say, no, that's silly, that, that's not real, that's not what it takes to save the world. But, if you use super as an adverb, meaning especially or particularly or more human, then the author of Hebrews would say that is what it took to save the world. It didn't take someone who was more than human to save the world. It took someone who was more human, especially human, particularly human, superhuman to save the world. And that's exactly who Jesus is. And sometimes we can view Jesus as a, a superhuman in the more than human kind of sense. And it's absolutely true. Jesus is both and equally God and human. And how that is, is still a mystery to us. We won't know until we get to heaven, right? But the author of Hebrews argues that it wasn't Jesus's divinity primarily that led to saving the world. It was his humanity, it wasn't superhuman, as in more than human Jesus, who came into the world faster than a speeding bullet, stronger than a locomotive, who came in and saved the world. It was superhuman, as in more human, especially human Jesus, who saved the world. 
And while Jesus could have come into the world and snapped his fingers like a holy Thanos or, or something to, to save the world, right? Um, his coming into the world as a human is far better. It's far more awe-inspiring, far more loving than we even deserve. And, and it's not the divinity of Jesus that should make us want to know him and love him more, but his humanity. Hebrews reminds us today that, yes, Jesus is God. He is divine, but we can't forget that he's also human. We can't forget that. And so that's what we're going to explore today in the book of Hebrews. And the title of today's message is Superhuman Jesus. Can we just pray one more time before we move on? God, we thank you. Um, that we can just, man, we can have fun. God, I thank you for the fun that we've already had today, just in, in worshiping you and, and singing our praises to you and just having fun talking about superheroes, God. Um, God, I, I pray that you just help make this, um, your word, your truth, just more real to us today. God, that we wouldn't see you as, as, as some being or entity far away from us who doesn't connect with us, God, but you do. You, you're so connected to us. And I pray that you'd help us to see that today through your son, Jesus, and, and not just his divinity, but his humanity as well. That we would see the man, Jesus, and all that he did for us, and what it means that, that he had to become human for our sake. And so, God, we, we just trust you this morning. We trust that you have a good word for us. Um, we trust that you have a good work for us in our lives, and you want to, to change us and shape us mold us into the people that you want us to be. And so this morning we say, have your way in us, Jesus. We thank you. We love you. It's in your name we pray. And everybody said, amen. All right, so let's open our Bibles to the book of Hebrews. And we're slowly making our way through the book of Hebrews. We're going to be in Hebrews for a long time. And I love it. I love it. Okay. Um, and we're going to hang out in verses 5 through 15. Um, a pretty good chunk of it. And as we explore this passage, I want you to keep that understanding of superhuman in your mind. All right, we're not talking about being more than human. Today, superhuman means uh, more human, especially human, particularly human. All right, so keep that in your mind. Um, and in this passage for today, the author of Hebrews, he talks a little bit more about angels. And, and he, he, he wraps up his argument about angels. In the past few chapters, he's been comparing angels to Jesus, and he's shown that Jesus is far better than angels for many reasons. And most of those reasons in chapters 1 and 2 focused on Jesus' divinity. Right? But in this passage, the author takes a turn, and he focuses on Jesus' humanity, the, the, the humanness of Jesus, because we can't forget that Jesus was fully man. Right? It's super important. Resilience, super important. Okay, uh, and, and one might think that, that angels have an upper hand on humans, right? Angels are certainly super in the more than human sense. They're these powerful beings with the ability to move between the physical and the spiritual realms. They, they battle fallen angels and the forces of evil as we speak. There might be stuff going on all around us right now. Right? They don't age or they don't die. They don't have human bodies like us. I would say they have an advantage over us, wouldn't you? And, and since Jesus was fully human like us, wouldn't angels have an upper hand on him too? 
Right? Wouldn't they, as super, more than human beings, be more suited to rescue the world? But what we'll see today is that not only is Jesus far better than angels because he is supremely divine, um, but the fact that Jesus is also human makes him far better, far more capable. Being human is not a handicap, but an advantage over angels. Right? Because what we have to understand, this is really important, um, what we have to understand is that when God created the world, he created it for humans, for us, not angels. And God intended that humans rule and reign over the physical world. We were designed for dominion. Everybody say dominion. Right? And we can read this in Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 through 31. I recommend writing that down, reading it later. We even see Adam uh, exercise his dominion over creation when the animals came to him and he named every single one of them. He exercised his authority. Right? Humans were designed to have dominion. We were designed to command and care for all of creation. And this purpose is reserved explicitly for humans, not angels. No one else can fulfill this purpose. And so the author of Hebrews, he, he makes this point in chapter 2, verse 5. Let's look at it. It says, For it was not to angels that God subjected the world to come, of which we are speaking. And so the author of Hebrews, he, he points out the world to come, when God will finally and fully establish his kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. Not only are we de designed to have dominion over the world now, but we're destined to have dominion over the world to come. This is mind-blowing to think about when you actually do think about it. E even though angels might be more powerful than us, we have greater purpose than them. We have greater dominion than them, greater authority and then even Paul even says in Corinthians that in the world to come, we are going to judge angels. And we learned previously in Hebrews that angels are the ones who serve us, right? And in Hebrews chapter 2, verses 6 through 8, the author quotes uh, King David from Psalm chapter 8, where David, he, he marvels at this fact that God would choose feeble, lowly humans to have such dominion instead of angels, Let's look at those verses, verses 6 through 8. It says, it has been testified somewhere. He's talking about Psalm chapter 8. What is man that you are mindful of him? Or the son of man that you care for him? You made him for a little while lower than the angels, but you have crowned him with glory and honor, putting everything in subjection under his feet. Now, in putting everything in subjection to him, he left nothing outside his control. This verse, this passage is talking about us, humans, us. Hey, man, if you woke up this morning feeling a little bit down on yourself, this should be an incredible pick-me-up. Right, you, angels, were designed for dominion. You, not angels, were designed to rule and reign over the earth. You, not angels, were designed to command and care for all of God's creation. And if you are a follower of Jesus, that is your destiny in the world to come. 
We as humans have a unique purpose here on earth that cannot be fulfilled by angels or anyone else. You see what I'm saying? But we have a serious problem, right? You're probably already thinking it in your mind. The author of Hebrews says it plainly as he finishes verse 8. He says, but at present, we do not see everything in subjection to him, to us. Uh Uh-oh. Right? We are not fulfilling our uniquely human purpose to rule and reign over the earth. Right? The earth is chaotic most of the time, isn't it? Right? And it's out of our control. We think we're in control, but we're not. Right? It seems like instead of earth and creation working for us as God designed, it works against us to even destroy us. Famine, natural disasters, global pandemics are real threats to humanity. So why is it that at present, we do not see everything in subjection to humanity as God designed? Well, the simple and unfortunate answer is sin. Sin. In the garden, we rebelled against God. And therefore, we rebelled against his purpose for us. God's purpose for us didn't change, though. It's it's still the same for us today. We are supposed to rule and reign the earth. But we gave up that responsibility to another. Satan, the devil, the the serpent in the garden. Instead of listening to to God, who gives us dominion over creation, we listened to the creation and allowed it to have dominion over us. And that was our downfall. We lost our dominion. And from that moment on, it was impossible for humanity to live up to their God-given purpose. Sin separated us from our purpose. Sin caused sickness and death to enter the world, which was never meant to be. Sin has caused us to lose our connection and our unity with God the Father. Sin has caused us to become not quite the kind of humans God created us to be. The world is not as it should be. True or false? True, obviously. Right? At present, we do not see everything in subjection to us. Right? But, and anytime there's a but in the Bible, pay attention. I love buts in the Bible. Right? But, the author continues in verse 9, right? But we see him. We see Jesus. Right? Who for a little while was made lower than the angels. Do you understand what he's saying here? Right? We see Jesus. Though he is God, the son, he became fully human, a little lower than the angels, just like all of us. Now, why did God become human? Did you ever ask yourself that question? Well, simple answer, because only a human can do what humans were created to do. That's God's design. And God's design and purpose for humans was to rule and reign over creation. No one else can do that. But that purpose wasn't being fulfilled Satan, the enemy, is now in control. He's called the prince of the air, of the power of the air. So does that mean that that God just forgets about the world? The world is out of order. It's chaotic. It's ruled by a supplanter. Oh, well. No, right? God is a God of order, not chaos. Right, Miguel? He's a God of order and not chaos. He puts things in order and makes things right. So he came not as God to do what only God can do, but as a human to do perfectly what God created humans to do. 
Right? And that's what we see Jesus do all throughout his life in the Gospels. We see Jesus regain dominion over creation in subtle and not so subtle ways. Right? Take dominion over the animals, for example. We see in the Gospels that Jesus commanded fish to fill the nets of James, Peter, and John. There are other instances in the Gospels where, where Jesus seems to have this command over other creatures. Or take dominion over the weather, for example. Once when Jesus and the disciples were out on the water, a storm exploded all around them. And what did Jesus do? He commanded the wind to be quiet and the waves to be still. He regained dominion over creation in so many different ways. What about that ancient enemy, Satan, the serpent? Well, when Jesus was in the wilderness fasting and praying, he was preparing for his life of ministry. Who came slithering along to tempt him? Who's been there before? You're trying to focus on Jesus, and then that little voice comes along, right? But did Jesus allow Satan to exercise his dominion over him? No. Jesus did what Adam and Eve should have done and exercised his rightful rule over Satan and resisted him. Right? Much of Jesus' life as a human on earth was to regain dominion, to fulfill humanity's purpose as rulers over God's creation. And where fallen humanity failed in that purpose, superhuman, especially human Jesus, particularly human Jesus, fulfilled it perfectly. But what we see in the rest of verse 9 is that Jesus took back dominion not just for himself, but for all of humanity, for all of us. Where the sin of Adam and Eve led to all of humanity being fallen and sinful, through Jesus, all humanity is now brought back into alignment with God's design and purpose. But we also know that it cost Jesus something. Because the problem of sin can only be rectified through sacrifice. The, pro right? the problem of human sin can only be rectified by human sacrifice. The job of a human can only be fulfilled by a human. And so God demanded that human blood be shed to forgive and atone for human sin and to put the world back into order. And Jesus being fully and perfectly superhuman, he was the only one qualified, the only candidate. So let's look back at verse 9 again. He continues. But we see him who for a little while was made lower than the angels, namely Jesus, crowned with glory and honor because of the suffering of death, so that by the grace of God he might taste death for everyone. Not only did Jesus regain dominion on behalf of all of humanity, but he also tasted death, the consequence of sin on behalf of all of humanity. And because Jesus was so perfectly superhuman, especially human, right, by God's grace, God said, that's more than enough for everybody. That's more than enough. Now, an angel can't do all of that, right, because angels weren't given over creation, and angels can't die, right? Those are things only a human can do. So it is vitally important that Jesus came not only as divine, but also human. And it's not through his divinity that Jesus regained dominion for us and died a substitutionary death for us. It's only through his humanity. And then in verses 10 through 16, 
Um, the author of Hebrews, he, he fleshes out the, the importance of Jesus's humanity even more. Now, for time's sake, um, I'm just going to summarize this big chunk of passage. Uh, but I want you to go home and I want you to read these verses for yourself. Right? But, but in verses 10 through 13, um, they, they essentially say that it's because of Jesus's humanity and everything that he went through as a human that we are able to be considered members of God's family. Right? You are no longer an orphan soul, but you are an adopted son and daughter of God. Because Jesus is human, right? he's flesh and blood, the passage says, then he considers us his brothers and his sisters. And since Jesus is also God's son and, and we are his brothers and sisters, do you see the logic? We too are God's children, members of his family. That's good news. Right? The, then verses 14 through 16. They talk about how because Jesus experienced death, but as a perfect superhuman, he was able to defeat Satan and take away his power over death. You no longer have to be afraid of death. Some of you need to hear that this morning. You no longer have to be afraid of death because we are promised a better life beyond it. Right? And it was his giving up of his divinity, laying it down and assuming his full and perfect humanity that allowed him to take on the weight of all of humanity's sin. And now as beneficiaries of this sacrifice, we are no longer slaves to Satan. We're no longer slaves to fear and death. And as followers of Jesus, of King Jesus, you have dominion again. You have authority again. And that's not just something promised for us in the world to come, but we can experience dominion right now. You have power and command over Satan and sin. Did you know that? Right? You can resist the devil just as our King Jesus did. You can say no to sin just as our King Jesus did. Right? All of the worries and anxieties that ultimately come from our fear of death and our quickly fading time here on this earth, they don't have to have power over you anymore because death is not the final answer. Right? King Jesus, through his humanity, through tasting death for himself and for us, has secured for us a greater promise of life and rule in the world to come. Do you see what I'm saying? Right? This should encourage you. This should put a little more pep in your step when you're feeling like, man, I have no control over my, that might be partly true, but you also have dominion. Right? That should give you hope in a world that often struggles to find hope. That should give you courage and boldness to live passionately for Jesus, no matter what the world or people around you say. You have dominion. Say it. I have dominion. Wake up every morning when your body is aching and you don't want to get out of bed and say, I have dominion. Declare it. Amen? Quick story. Um, once at our old house, we saw a black bunny hopping around our cul-de-sac. Um, we knew it must have been someone's pet because we don't have black wild bunnies in Tucson, at least I don't think. And um, we also noticed that it was injured because it wasn't using one of its back legs. So we tried to, to catch this, this little bunny thinking maybe we could find its owner. Um, but as I was moving closer to it, trying to gain its trust so I could catch it, suddenly this hawk flew out of a nearby tree and started flying right towards the bunny to catch it. Right? No joke, my wife was there, she saw it. 
right? You, you know how in intense situations, sometimes it feels like everything just slows down? Well, that's what it felt like in that moment, and I had no idea what to do. So I just stood my ground. I pointed my finger at the hawk as it was coming. And I said, no. <laughs> and amazingly, though it was inches away from catching this bunny, it took a sharp turn, and it took off. And I was able to go and rescue and, and save this bunny. I felt pretty good. I was like, yeah. I felt like I was exercising my dominion over creation. Like, like Adam and Eve in, in the garden, right? Now, I don't, I don't know if that's going to work every time. If I'm out thinking or hiking and I come across a mountain lion who wants to eat me, I don't know if that's going to work. But if, if he's going to eat me, I might as well try, right? No, lion. What else are we going to do? Right, but the point is, we have regained our dominion because of Jesus. You have dominion. And I hope to hear your stories of shouting down hawks or something like that. Okay, but we have, to, we have two, two more verses in chapter 2. Verses 17 and 18. And if everything we've said so far hasn't made you appreciate the humanity of Jesus, then these two verses, they'll, they'll do the trick, I promise you. Because in these two verses, we see the true power and the true purpose behind Jesus becoming a human for our sake. And so I, I know this is going to be difficult. It's going to be a difficult thing for me to ask you to do. Um, but I want you to think of the, the difficult times you faced recently, or maybe you're, you're going through them right now. Right? I want you to um, think of these things, not because I want you to feel bad or I want you to, to relive those painful experiences, but I believe God has healing and restoration for you in this moment. So take a moment to think about your struggles right now, whatever it might be. What hardships have you experienced? What pain have you had to endure? Have you ever lost a loved one and experienced the intense weight of grief? Have you loved someone or cared for someone so much only to have them turn their back on you and maybe use and abuse you? Have you experienced the weight of betrayal and rejection? Have you ever tried to pursue your dreams and your passions, but then people uh, came around and started scoffing at you and say, it's never going to happen. You can't do that. Have you ever tried to get your life in order, tried to walk the straight and narrow to just be a good person only to have someone come along and try and lead you astray? What about pain? Physical pain. Not just an accidental scrape or a bump, but pain inflicted upon you by another person, even though you were innocent and you did nothing wrong. Have you ever been wrongfully accused? Have you ever had your name and your reputation muddied? Been hated to the point that someone wants to bring you harm? Have you ever felt so alone because your friends weren't there to support you and care for you in your time of need. See, all of us, every single one of us have experienced difficult and sometimes just downright evil things in our lives that, that have caused unbearable hurt and heartache. 
And, and maybe some of what I just said touches really close to home for you, right? All of us have, have suffered in some way. And unfortunately, this is just part of being a human in a fallen world. But what should bring us some comfort is that Jesus knows. He knows. He, Jesus knows. What do I mean by that? All of those examples of suffering that I just gave, Jesus experienced fully for himself. He experienced the unbearable weight of grief. He experienced betrayal and rejection Jesus did. He experienced people scoffing at him and rejecting him. He experienced unbearable temptation. Jesus went through terrible, undeserved pain and suffering. He was wrongly accused and hated. He experienced loneliness when all of his friends ran away and left him in his greatest time of need. And I, sometimes when we think of the things Jesus went through, sometimes we think, well, he's God. He, he can handle it. Right, or some people wrongly think that Jesus didn't have to experience hardship in life, right? And that the cross was the only suffering that he went through. Some religions take it a step further and say that Jesus didn't even have to experience the cross. He was replaced by someone else, right? That because he's God, more than human, superhuman, he was somehow able to escape the pains and the hardships that all of us face. But that's not what superhuman means for us today. Superhuman means more human, especially human, particularly human. And as superhuman, that means everything Jesus experienced on this earth was also super. Right? His good experience in life, right? they were super. They were especially particularly good. But his pains, his hurt, his heartache, his suffering was also super, especially particularly difficult. You know, we might not ever fully understand the suffering that Jesus experienced, but he can fully understand ours. He knows. He knows. And it's because of his superhumanness that he's able to have true compassion for us. He's able to truly sympathize with us. Right? When we get so tired of experiencing the same temptation every single day, we can be encouraged and say, Jesus knows. He's been through it. When a friend or loved one betrays or rejects or turns their back on us, Jesus knows. When someone we love dies and, and we grieve, Jesus knows. When we feel so alone and forgotten, he knows. When we feel like we can't keep going, we can't keep doing what we know we should, Jesus knows. When someone physically and emotionally causes us pain that we don't deserve, he knows. He's been through it all. And it's because he knows that he's able to serve and help us. Right? The author of Hebrews, he says it this way in 
chapter 2, the last two verses, 17 and 18, he says, Therefore, Jesus, he had to be made like his brothers and sisters in every respect, so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God, to make propitiation for the sins of the people. Verse 18, for because he himself has suffered when tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. And because Jesus has especially, particularly experienced all that we have experienced, and he was able to experience those things without sinning, without losing hope and faith in God, that means that he also knows the way through them. He knows the way through them. He knows that hope and life don't just stop when hardship comes our way, but that we can keep going. Right? Jesus is not the superhuman flying high above creation, looking down on them. No, he's superhuman Jesus, more than human, especially human Jesus, who's been through the same things that we have. There is nothing we face today or tomorrow or the next day in which Jesus cannot sympathize, help, and rescue us. He knows. He knows. And when you find yourself in a very human experience of pain or suffering or difficulty, maybe you're going through that right now. Jesus is not looking down on you saying, hurry up. Jesus isn't looking down on you saying, move on already. He's not saying, get your act together. He's not saying, if I've been through it, so can you. No, he is our merciful and faithful high priest who says, I know, brother. I know, sister. I've been there. And he keeps saying, just, just keep your focus on me. Keep following me. I know the way through it all. We'll get through this together. Jesus says, I have tasted and seen grief, but I have also tasted and seen glory. So can you. I've tasted and seen hardship, but I've also tasted and seen healing. So can you. I've tasted and seen rejection, but I've tasted and seen restoration. So can you. I've tasted and seen death, but I've also tasted and seen life. And so can you. Jesus knows. He knows. And you know what? That's what some of you need to hear and see this morning. He knows. And I know for some of you who are experiencing hardship right now, you are tired of people telling you that everything is going to be okay. You're tired of it. So instead of saying that, I'm just going to leave you with this. He knows. Jesus has been through it. He knows. It might not look exactly like what you've been through, but that underlying pain that you feel, that, that frustration, Jesus, Jesus knows. He's not just divine, he's also human. And it's his humanity that enables him to understand and know and sympathize with and, and love us. And it's his humanity that allows us to understand and know and sympathize and love him. He knows. He's not superhuman. He's more than human Jesus. He, he's, he's, he's not, or he is superhuman, more human, right? Especially human, particularly human Jesus. He knows, and that's, that's good news for us. Uh, let, me, let me pray for you right now.
Because I know for, for many in this room, there is a, a struggle going on. I know for many in this room, and I don't think it's a few, I, th I think it's many, hear this word, and your instinct is to fight back. And your instinct is to say, how, how can Jesus know? Or how can God allow this painful thing to happen in my life? How can God allow such pain and grief and difficulty? And I know for many in this room or even watching online, you're struggling. And I just wanna say there's no condemnation there's no guilt being cast on anyone. Because I can't help but think and wonder, innocent, perfect Jesus, everything that happened to him, I can't help but wonder if he had questions too. All of that again to say Jesus knows. So God, I, I pray for that group of people specifically. God, I pray that everyone else has tried to, to encourage them and, and tell them to move on or get it together. God, I pray that that, that phrase, he knows, will just sink deeply into their hearts, God. That they would find incredible comfort in that. And they would see that Jesus, you're there with them. You're leading them through it. You're not keeping them there just to stay there, but you're doing a work in them. God, I pray for supernatural focus for them right now, that they'd be able to just keep their eyes on you, Jesus. And when it doesn't make sense to keep their eyes on you, Jesus, I pray that you would encourage them and say, no, trust me. Keep focusing on me. God, I pray for my church family who they're trying to walk alongside somebody who's experiencing difficulty right now. It's not, it's not their pain, but they, they feel it vicariously. God, I pray that you just fill them with your spirit, a comforting spirit. And I pray that you'd help them to be a comfort to their friend or their family member who's suffering right now. And when they don't know what else to say, God, I pray that you just remind them of that phrase, Jesus knows, Jesus knows. I'm sorry, brother or sister, that you're going through this, but Jesus knows. And God, I pray for those right now in our, our church family who, who have been struggling to accept their dominion over their lives where they've struggled to say no to sin and they've struggled to say no to Satan and they've kept falling into these same things. God, because of, of your son, Jesus, who took back dominion over this earth, we now have dominion. And I pray that you would remind us of that. You would just let that truth sink into each one of us this morning. That we can say no to sin. We can say no to the enemy. And we can say yes to everything that you have for us this morning, Jesus. 
And so God, I'm just thankful for the work that you're doing in each one of us right now. I know for some of us, it's incredibly difficult. It's hard work, but I thank you that you're right there with us. And God, I'm believing that good is going to come from the struggle, that well-being is going to come from the wrestle, that you're gonna continue just moving and working and shaping us into the people that you want us to be. So we thank you, God, for what you've done in this place. We say these things in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. And just in this atmosphere right now of, of just knowing and understanding that Jesus went through everything that we went through, I would love to just move into a time of communion where we take the bread and, and the juice, the symbols of Jesus's human broken body and shed blood. And as we take communion today, remember Jesus's humanity. He came and did for us what only a human could do. He did it perfectly. So as you take communion, just celebrate his victory for you. Amen. Thank you for listening. If you are blessed by this episode and would like to help us create more content that magnifies and multiplies Jesus, would you consider giving a financial gift of any amount today? Whatever you give will go towards building the kingdom of God in the lives of people all over the world. Thank you for your support, and we pray many blessings over you. Thank you.